welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me today, I have a woman who is not only a writer, but also has been an editor and is now a developer as far as publishing books go. I have Jasmine Richards on the show. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic to have you here. Really excited. You've got so many strings to your bow. I can't wait to get talking about them. But as you're new to the podcast, let's get to know you a little bit better. So do you want to just give us a quick background into why you became an author and a little bit about your journey up to now? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so, my, <laughs> so my journey to being an author started as a kid. Uh, I was an absolute bona fide, full-on bookworm to the extent that if I was going to birthday parties or family barbecues, my mum would just have to sort of pat me down, frisk me for books, because she's like, "You, I don't want you always being the kid in the corner reading, like there's actually other children to play with. Uh, but I was just absolutely obsessed with books. And I lived really close to a library as well. So I spent a lot of time in the local library. So I think the journey started there, but it actually, it wasn't until I started working in publishing and actually editing other authors, and this is the truth of it, I'm just gonna be completely candid, that I realized that authors aren't these super beings, they're just normal people who really enjoy storytelling. And it was editing other authors and getting to know them where I realized this is absolutely something that I can do. Yes, I have to graft, okay? And you have to learn the craft and all that stuff, but it's absolutely something I can do. So that's when I started. So it was as a young editorial assistant. Oh, fantastic. And uh, with your writing sort of uh, editorial assistance sort of job wise, you sort of uh, went to Oxford and uh, sort of went and uh, uh, educated yourself there and you sort of came out and you worked within Oxford University Press, was it? Yeah, well, no, there was a few bits before I got there, but Oxford did keep on bringing me back. So Mm. I finished my English degree at Oxford. For a year, I spent time working for the university and traveling all around the country speaking to kids in inner city state schools was basically talking about higher education so there's always been this interest in access and representation then I applied for the penguin graduate trainee program which I got onto and that was an 18 month program so I spent three months in New York I think spent three months working for Puffin Book Club when that was still around worked at Hamish Hamilton um and then did three months at Puffin and it was the three months at Puffin I was like yes I definitely want to be a children's editor that's what I want to do now I got to the end of the trainee program um and there wasn't a space in children's editorial but I was offered a job in marketing and I was like no (laughs) I want to work in editorial so then I ended up and people kind of thought it was a bonkers choice but I looked at the bookseller there was a job going at a company called Working Partners who are an IP development company. We can talk a bit a bit more about that later. Uh, but so they were looking for people who are interested in writing and editing, and they were looking for a sort of junior editor. And even though it was a massive pay cut, I went and worked there. Um, hmm. And I was there for four years, sort of developing series oh, like wow. Rainbow Magic, 
Beast Quest, like lots of very big, I didn't know it at the moment, they were the books that were a phenomenon in the kids world. And I was storylining them and editing those books. Oh, fantastic. And that sort of at one point took you to the Creative Kitchen and where yeah. you were sort of developing it. It was the head of the Creative Kitchen. Yeah. So then what happened <laughs> after, whilst I was working partners, I kind of headhunted to come and work at Oxford University Press. And I was a senior commissioning editor there working with fantastic authors like Gillian Cross of Demon Headmaster, um, Julia Golding, fantastic writer, William Hussey, um, Dave Cousins, lots of fantastic, fantastic authors that I was working with. And then OUP decided that they wanted to do IP development. So that's intellectual property. They wanted to come up with series in-house. So all of that training I got from working partners came to bear at Oxford University Press and I headed up their in-house IP development and that was called the Creative Kitchen. Fantastic so all that sort of work behind the scenes obviously you said you had to go and do some of the hard graft Uh, when was it you really felt you had uh, developed enough of your writing skills to then suddenly put yourself on the other side of the publishing page? Oh, that is such a good question. I remember doing a panel and it was called Poachers and Gamekeepers because there's definitely this thing in publishing where you have lots of people who work in marketing, who work in editorial, who then do go over to the other side and start writing. And it's not surprising because you're attracted to the industry, right? Um, And then you start to learn more about the industry and you maybe think, I think I can do this. So um, the the idea for my first novel, which was The Book of Wonders, I had from the age of nine. So I read A Thousand and One Nights. I loved it, but I felt really uncomfortable, even age nine, that by the end of the story, the Sultan is is transformed through the stories he's heard. So he's like, oh, it was a really bad thing that I was chopping off all of these heads. That's awful. I've heard all of these stories for A Thousand One Nights. I'm, I'm redeemed, I'm reformed, uh, and they live happily ever after. He and Shahadazad live happily ever after. And I was kind of like, but hang on, what about all those women he killed? That's not right. So even then at nine, I had a problem with it. So my first book was, instead of Shahadazad telling stories, she goes on these adventures. So she meets Sinbad and it's like a sort of rip-roaring fantasy adventure. And it was just this idea that had been sort of niggling at me since I was nine. And I was just like, I want to sit down and write it. And I, I didn't write it knowing I was going to be published. Um, and we can talk a bit more about that journey to publication as well. I didn't know if I was going to be published. It's just a story that I felt like I had to write, you know. And that's what got me across the line for actually finishing uh, the draft, a draft of it, many drafts of it. <laughs> many, many drafts. And you yeah. actually, when we were just sort of, sort of pre-show and we just had a bit of a ramble, uh, you mentioned something quite interesting in the fact that it really sort of took off on the other side of the Atlantic, uh, yeah. you sort of developed a little bit of a following there. Do you want to tell us how weird it was to have books being published in the States and not really find the traction in the UK? Yeah, so so what happened? My agent sent out Book of Wonders in the UK and in the US at exactly the same time. And in the US, it got snapped up by HarperCollins US. Uh, and they bought that one and two other books. So it was a three book contract for middle grade books. And then in the UK, it went to acquisitions in quite a few places, but it didn't get bought. And what you've got to remember, because this is quite a long time ago now, is we had come off the back of like Harry Potter mania and middle grade had been really popular for a very long time 
but then we were moving into YA. It was actually really difficult to place middle grade books at that point in the UK. It was mm. so YA focused. I don't know if you can remember, but honestly, it was just, whereas now we're deep in a middle, cra- middle grade kind of search, right, right now. But YA will come back because it's cyclical. And because I've been around the block a few times now, I've worked in publishing for over 15 years, you see these patterns. But right now it's all about middle grade. Um, so yeah, it got picked up in the US, didn't get picked up in the UK. So I had this whole career in the US and the books under my name, at least, didn't exist in the UK. So sometimes I'd do school visits, take the American edition with me and they'd be like, Miss, why does it say sidewalk? And why is colour spelt like this? And I'm like, oh, it's, let me tell you a story, children. It's published in the States. But they love, kids love hearing about the publishing industry, actually. They love all of the sort of twists and turns of it. So it was quite useful in a school visit. I can imagine. So it's just one of those, those crazy things. We both speak the English language, but, you know, there's a couple yeah. of different slight differences. But obviously, as an editor, you're used to finding differences and smoothing out uh, bits and pieces but obviously one thing while you're an editor obviously obviously mm-hmm. kind of mentioned it but you noticed uh, a couple of errors in the in the offer that was out there for uh, youngsters to read and that sort of tra- takes us back now to a sort of like the IP uh, mm-hmm. sort of storyline and that is story mix so yeah. when I came across the story mix story uh, <laughs> I, I was just like blown away I was just like oh my god yeah why hasn't why isn't this more like why are we not aware of this more? And obviously with what's gone on recently, we're sort of like addressing ourselves and re-educating ourselves. I was like, bang, we got to get this out there. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what Story Mix is and what it's trying to do? Yes, that's a lovely lead in. Thank you. So like, I, like I've mentioned before, I've worked in publishing for a really long time, 15 years. And this thing happened to me, this epiphany happened to me. It was basically around my own kids. So my son was turning five, six years old, moving away from picture books into young chapter books. And, you know, obviously I'm obsessed with books. I hope that has come across. I'm obsessed with books. And I'd grown this little bookworm. He's really into books as well. Um, And I started to look for those chapter books for him that were representative, okay? So you want a really rich diet of books. And when it came to picture books, I could find books that represented our family. Mm. I got to five to seven chapter books and he he was invisible. He was literally nowhere to be seen. Uh, And I had this moment of real anger and the anger wasn't just directed at the publishing industry. It was directed at myself because I have worked in publishing for 15 years. And I think I'd spent such a long time trying to establish myself in the industry as just like a fantastic editor, right? I just Mm -hmm. wanted to be known as a great editor working with great authors. And I wasn't necessarily talking around inclusion, representation, diversity, because I didn't want to be typecast. So it's almost like I was running in the other direction. And then like literally all your chickens coming home to roost. Cause I'm like, wow, now it's my child and he's invisible. I had this platform and a little bit of power, don't get me wrong, not a lot of power, but I was an acquiring editor. I should have been out there trying to find these voices that weren't coming through. Uh, so then I, so I spent a little while feeling angry and then I was like, okay, so what can I do? So what are my skill sets? So I'm an author. So I could just spend lots of time writing books but I'm not the fastest writer, I can write a book a year, okay, so, um, but I also had this experience as an editor, inter- I had this experience developing intellectual property, I have this experience, all of these deep networks within publishing, right, so I'm pretty sure 
I had a great idea and I could put together this package, I could sell it to people because the people in publishing, they started at the same time as me, all those editorial directors and publishers, we all started at the same time. So it's not like I'm going, it's not like I'm now all of a sudden trying to break into the production of baked beans where I don't know anyone. Like I know these people. So if I say to them, look at this massive problem we have, okay? Look at this great idea I've come up with. Look at this talent I've found. Hey, why don't we work together and publish this book? That offer felt like a really good offer. So that's how Story Mix was born. Now, obviously, what I didn't know was that there was going to be a global pandemic. Okay, so I started this business in 2019. Um, and I was about, I was getting ready to take my first sort of slate of ideas to Bologna. And um, that got cancelled because of the pandemic. And I was a bit like, oh, like that's the business over before it really even started. And you know, I'm busy homeschooling and doing all of these things. Actually, it'd probably be worth explaining what Bologna is. So Bologna is this massive children's book fair that takes place every year. And it's where people from around the world come together to pitch books and sell books to each other. So, and if you work in kids' books, it's really important that you go to Bologna in terms of network, in terms of selling your books, all of those things. So my plan was to go to Bologna with a slate of ideas, be like, ta-da, Story Mix has appeared and I've got the answer. We're going to do really inclusive, joyful, exciting books. And it got cancelled. So then I'm knee deep in a pandemic, homeschooling, and, and then the world shifts again. So we have the peak in the Black Lives Matter protests. We have this time where everyone is really reflecting as, as a whole society, but within publishing, realizing like actually it's not equitable and it's not equal. And books, books are such an important cornerstone of our culture. We're, if they're not representing our society, then we're failing, right? Um, so all of those meetings that got canceled, even though everyone was juggling all these balls, publishers wanted to make sure they were having those meetings. And it's like, okay, Jasmine, story mix what have you got I was like well I actually have all of these brilliant projects including Aziza's secret fairy door um and lots of others and and then it's just been go 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 ever since you know um and publishers really as well realizing there needs to be a focus not just on YA and picture books but that middle grade space and I'm going to take a sort of as a broad church so when I'm, I'm talking about five to seven seven to nine nine to twelve we need to make sure those books are as representative as other parts of the market. Yeah, absolutely. And you've even sort of teased us a little bit there. We've talked about <laughs> Aziza's uh, Secret Fairy Tour. And that is the one that you and a, a fellow writer, Tola Unguku, have penned together underneath the uh, the name uh, Lola Moreo. Is that Lola Moreo? Yes. Mariah. I went for a surname uh, that began with M. So when you're in a bookshop, it's kind of hopefully at eye level. It was that, it was that, it was that um, particular. Yeah. yeah. See, that, that's definitely some editorial IP sort of like intelligence there going, right, where yeah. are they going to see it? Don't yeah. want to A, A's up there, they can't reach it. Z says yeah. down at your toes, no one wants to yeah. do that. Exactly. Okay. But um, <laughs> where did, uh, obviously the idea of, it's very much entrenched in this sort of mythology, but having it just so it has got, you know, a sense of representation behind it, rather than just saying that your young British child you don't want to have to always see the British mythology as something you can't connect with. Is that yeah. right? I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's definitely the case. So I knew, I knew that 
for the books that Story Mix produce, that I was, it was really important to me that they're going to be stories of joy and adventure, right? So it's bringing kids of colour to the centre of these stories full of joy and adventure. Um, but I also knew that it's an opportunity to, to move away from those really sort of typical and common stories that we see sort of based around maybe British mythology, because we've got a whole world out there. And Britain is made up of children from all kinds of backgrounds. So with Aziza's secret fairy door, the name even Aziza is the name of a fairy tale creature that you find in West Africa. Okay, it's like a woodland sprite with butterfly wings that sort of exists out there. Uh, so I wanted to explore different ideas of what fairies are. So uh, Aziza's best friend in this sort of magical world that she enters is called Peri. Peri is a Middle Eastern type of fairy, but that has sort of swan-like feathers rather than sort of, you know, the typical fairy feathers and um, wings that you you see so it's drawing on all of those different elements but the story is story right so there's got to be an obstacle or obstacles um you need to have uh characters that are allies characters that are antagonists um there needs to be something that you're going to achieve so in this first book aziza is given a fairy doll and she spends all day sort of decorating it and getting it just right and there's a piece of paper in it that says put me by a tree and fairy magic you'll see but Aziza lives in a flat she doesn't have a garden right and uh she's a bit like huh but she's a problem solver she's resilient she's got a pot plant she puts it by a pot plant instead but nothing happens she's really disappointed goes to bed and that night there's a knock 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 at the door uh, and she opens up the fairy door and she crosses the threshold and she enters this magical world which is called Shimmerton she walks into a scene of a crime heist. And you've got these naughty fairies called the Gigglers trying to take stuff without asking from a toy shop. And Aziz has got a really strong moral compass, partly instilled by her parents because they write um, stories about a superhero called Jamal Justice. So she's really entrenched in that sort of superhero mythology and right and wrong as well. So she tells them to stop. And in response, they take the doorknob off of her fairy door and the fairy door seals over. So Aziza cannot get home. And that's the beginning of our adventure. So how is she going to get home? Who's going to help her get home? Is it going to be a happy ending? Since it's a book for six to eight year olds, it's not a spoiler to say it all ends well. But we have a lot of fun along the way. And Aziz is obviously going to be a two book deal, I believe, Macmillan have put. No, 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 no. A five book deal, my dear. Five book deal. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, I know the second one has been uh, already announced for October, isn't it? Because the October. first one is out right now. Yes, yes. So, um, June 10th is yep. its publication date. That's correct. The second one is sort of lovely and Christmassy and festive. And it's about an ice cat. It's called the Ice Cat Mystery, which is really exciting. And we'll have underwater adventures in the future. And there'll be oh, lots of exciting things to come. Oh, that's fantastic. So great to hear. And like five books. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So Macmillan have definitely um, backed this really well. Is there any other sort of um, projects from Story Mix who are, who are either you can't say because they're not quite bought yet or but there are there some in the pipeline, hopefully, that we're also going to get to see? So I've sold six projects. I can talk about two because only two of them have been announced. No, so okay. the other one is called the Lizzie and Bell Mysteries. And it's for nine to 12 year olds and it's being published by Farshaw. 
and it actually centers on two real life figures but set in Georgian England okay so we've got uh, Lizzie Sancho who's the daughter of Ignatius Sancho who's the first black man to vote in the UK he owned a shop in Mayfair we're talking mid to late 1700s we've got Dido Bell who lived in Kenwood House um, she was a daughter of an enslaved woman and a naval captain, so was in this very strange situation where she was independently wealthy, uh, but her mother had been an enslaved woman. And these two girls meet as children, and basically they solve mysteries in Georgian England, in Georgian London in particular, and it's a great friendship between the two. Uh, now, when I pitched this, when I, I mean, when I came up with this idea, I did not know that the phenomenon that is Bridgerton was happening or was about to happen. So when I tell you zeitgeist, <laughs> um, you know, and I remember when I was developing this series with a really fantastically um, talented writer called Joanna Williams, I was like, oh gosh, it's historical. Historical could be really tricky, but I really believe in these girls and this story. Oh, I hope it's going to sell. And then Bridgerton happened. I was like, oh yeah, we're going to sell this <laughs> since it's exactly the same time period. So um, that was super exciting. That's being published by Farshaw and that's coming out next summer. Oh, fantastic. Well, I, I, I'm a big fan of a historical uh, sort of mystery. I just get swept up in a load of them and periods like you say period dramas at the moment are just rife so uh yeah. definitely you know, sometimes you've got to be uh, you know you've got to be lucky in this yeah I think so I think so but that's fantastic but that's not the only bookish news that's just recently dropped as I believe you've also had a little bit of a, a sort of like breakthrough on this side of the Atlantic uh with you <laughs> clan and the unmorrow yeah. un- curse Do you want to explain a little bit more about how that works okay so um UCLAN, firstly, I just have to give them so much love. They're a fantastic independent publisher doing really innovative, interesting things, like real disruptors when it comes to kids' books. Um, so, so excited to be working with Hazel and the team there. But um, if you remember, I was, I was talking about how I had this three-book deal with HarperCollins in the US, didn't place the books in the UK then. So On Morrow Curse is actually one of those US books finding a home in the UK at long last, which makes me so happy because actually those books were set in the UK with British kids. So it always felt so strange to me that they were having a life in the US and not in the UK. So really excited um, that they will exist in the UK and kids over here will get access to them. We're going to have a lovely cover. It's just super exciting, super exciting, like a long winding path, but they are with the publisher they should be with. And I'm really excited about what we're going to do with that story. Absolutely. They get there at the end. That's the yeah, important exactly. part. Like, yeah, like, a, like a good, like a proper quest. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, no more will you have to take them into school. And they're like, what's a sidewalk? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, going to be properly done. Yeah. Fantastic. But well, that sounds like you've got so much. Sounds like you've got a lot on your plate, if I'm perfectly honest. It's like, how do you sort of balance all these, these bits and pieces? And is there a sort of a technique you use to, to sort of make sure you've got, you know, you're not overworking or overstretching yourself. Oh, oh my gosh. I feel like, have you been like talking to my husband? This is what he <laughs> said. Um, I have got a lot on at the moment, but the, the really important thing, this is for anyone setting up a business, right? You've just got to get it on its feet. So these last two years have been really intense, especially because 15 months of that have been a pandemic. Okay. Unprecedented. But 
I feel like I have got story mix on its feet. I have sold projects. I'm in a position now where I can work with some freelance editors. Like, you know, and I, I kind of feel like success forgets success. So um, I'm feeling really positive about that. And so in terms of, <laughs> in terms of uh, a balance, I'm working towards balance. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, well, it still sounds like you have a very positive and bright future, not only just as the writing side of it, but story mix as well. Uh, so really looking forward to seeing how that comes about and seeing how things are coming about. We are coming straight towards the end of today's interview, unfortunately, but we're not going to go anywhere until you lovely listeners get a chance to get your hands on today's competition. Yes, competition time. Uh, we are going to be giving away uh, one lucky listener the chance to win a signed copy of Aziza and the Secret Fairy Door that you've just beautifully explained about there. How can you get your hands on it? Well, listen up. So obviously in the story, Aziza is transported to Shimmerton, this beautiful, uh, strange world of theirs. Now, a lot of people, we can't get away because of the pandemic at the moment. So it's a perfect time to think, if you had a magic fairy door that could just take you somewhere you'd really like to go, where would you like to go? That's today's quiz question. So magic fairy door, you can go anywhere in the world. Where would you like to go? I mean, it might be even somewhere mythical. Maybe you want to go get transported into your favorite book somewhere like Shimmerton. It doesn't have to be real. Uh, but where would you like to be transported to? Um, Jasmine, is there, is there anywhere in this world right now? If you could just open that door behind you and just disappear somewhere. <laughs> Um, where would I be transported to? Where would I be transported to? It's a really good question. So I'm really torn. I want to give you like a really like cool, like into a mythical land or into one of my favourite books. But the truth of it is I just want to go to a beach somewhere with guaranteed sunshine. Um, and I want to read somebody else's book, like not be working on my books. Um, so and a place I've always wanted to go is the Maldives. So that's where I'm going in my fairy door. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, beach, somewhere, beach with access to uh, possibly a, a bar as well. I can sit there on the beach. Someone bring me over a drink and I'll sit there on my book. I'll be quite content, I think. That does feel like fantasy right now, right? <laughs> Pretty much. But um, you guys might have other ideas about where you want to go. And we want to hear them. All those lovely, weird and wonderful places you want to disappear to. So get in touch with us. It's hashtag Aziz's Comp hit us up on Twitter at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word, and you could be in with a chance of winning that signed copy. How does that sound, Jasmine? Sounds like a very good idea indeed. Yeah, and I was very happy with uh, dropping you a message and you agreeing to doing this. It's fantastic that we had a chance to just get to, to know each other today. It's been absolutely fantastic. No, honestly, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. Oh, well, I'm not going to let you completely disappear on us just yet because most importantly, I want everyone who's listening to know where they need to go to find out about you, your books, and of course, the amazing work of StoryMix. Ah, thank you very much. Okay, so in terms of the kinds of things that we will be creating as StoryMix, you can follow um, us on Twitter at StoryMix Studio and also on Insta, the same handle at StoryMix Studio. And then for me as a writer, as Jasmine Richards writer, I've got two. So on Instagram, I'm at writeonauthor and the writeon is W-R-I-T-E, writeonauthor. And on Twitter, I'm J Richards author. So yeah, get in touch, say hello. I'd love to hear from you. 
fantastic and it has been fantastic thank you so much for joining us again once again jasmine and to you the lovely listeners for sticking around uh, don't forget you can always find about our content on twitter at big kids book club i mean you're going to go there anyway to enter the competition but just in case you've got it we've also got all our programming up there if you want to find it our midweek reviews where we talk about amazing books that should be on your tbr and also other author interviews to check out but that is all we have time for today so until next time all i have to say is for you to take care to stay safe but most importantly to keep on reading